What's on display today? Carousels, often called merry-go-rounds, have been ingrained in the imaginations of Americans for generations. They can be found at theme parks, county fairs, shopping malls, zoos, and public parks all over the country. Some only have horses, while others host a myriad of animals from all over the world. But they all sport bright colors, upbeat music, and fond memories. Today we are going back in time to the golden age of carousels, back before the Great Depression, when Lady Liberty welcomed newcomers to Ellis Island, when trolley cars shuttled people to Sunday parks and gardens to enjoy a warm afternoon, and when each animal and machine on the carousel was lovingly and painstakingly made by hand. This is the story of the American carousel, an art and a legacy that was nearly lost but is coming back with style. Welcome to On Display Podcast, the podcast in which we explore the design, construction, and operation of exhibits and attractions at theme parks, museums, zoos, and beyond, and celebrate what makes them special to the visitor experience. I am your host, Nicole. I look forward to having you along with me on this special behind-the-behind-the-scenes journey. Today is April 21st, 2017. Welcome back. We skipped an episode last time, but I hope you're ready to dive into today's podcast. Let's get started. The golden age of carousels took place over 100 years ago from 1905 to 1925. However, many carousels are much older and carousel-like rides have been around for centuries. The origins of the carousel are unknown, though most historians agree that the very earliest inspiration came from a game in Turkey. Skilled riders would throw a clay ball full of perfumed water back and forth to each other, trying to avoid dropping the ball and being soaked in the perfume. A more recognizable inspiration for the carousel is a medieval French sport. As the way of knights in armor was dying out, nobles would hold mock tournaments. Riders would collect rings on long lances astride horses wearing elaborate and colorful armor and tack. The term carousel comes from the Italian word carosello, which means little war, and is the name given to tournaments similar to those in France. Some modern carousels pay homage to these sports by hanging brass rings from the ride. If someone is skilled enough to catch a ring as they go by, they are often awarded a prize, usually a free turn on the carousel. This is one reason why American carousels turn counterclockwise, as most people are right-handed. English carousels turn clockwise because real horses are usually mounted by their left side. Early carousel rides were man-powered swings. The first carousels to have horses as mounts appeared sometime in the mid-17th century. These carousels are often called flying horses because the animals were all carved with their legs sticking straight out and hung from wires like swings. 
The Industrial Revolution brought steam power to the world, and it wasn't too long before someone modified a steam engine to power the carousels. This genius invention is attributed to the Englishman Frederick Savage in 1863. While the mechanism that first allowed the ponies to leap was also invented by Frederick Savage, William Mongels, a German immigrant in the United States, is credited with improving and patenting this design. His design works so well that carousels still use it today. There are many ways to categorize carousel figures. Menageries are carousels that have animals other than horses on them. Early menageries had cats, rabbits, dogs, bears, deer, tigers, lions, dragons, and hippocampus, which are half horse and half fish. But many modern carousels have figures like gorillas, komodo dragons, and even insects. Carousel ponies can be broken down into many groups. The first is by their pose. Standers are stationary horses that are always placed on the outside row. Usually, they have at least three hooves touching the ground. Jumpers are horses that move up and down. They are also often referred to by where on the platform they are placed. First or second row jumpers are closer to the outside of the platform. They tend to be larger and more decorated. Third and fourth row jumpers are closer to the inside of the carousel, tend to be smaller and with fewer decorations. The most common way to identify a carousel horse, however, is by their style. Enthusiasts have placed carousel horses into three distinctive styles, Philadelphia, Coney Island, and County Fair. County Fair ponies are the smallest and usually are not very elaborate. They were designed with functionality in mind, easy to store and transport from one location to another. Don't get me wrong though, even though these ponies weren't as intricate as ponies in the other styles, they can still be quite beautiful and are just as prized by collectors as any of the others. Coney Island styled horses are the most dazzling. They are very elaborate and colorful, and often feature glass jewels and mirrors on their harnesses, which are called trappings. These horses are named for the Coney Island Amusement Park in New York, where the style first developed. Philadelphia horses are considered to be the most whimsical and realistic of the three styles. Named for Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where the art style was created, these ponies look more lifelike than Coney Island or County Fair ponies, and while they don't sport the same sparkle and shine as Coney Island ponies, they are decorated by elaborate designs carved directly onto their trappings. There are nearly a dozen carvers all recognized as master craftsmen in the carousel world, and while I do wish I could talk about every one of them, in the interest of time, I am only going to highlight one or two who contributed most to each of the styles I just talked about. Marcus C. Illions was born in Lithuania in the early 1870s. He started out by carving circus wagons before emigrating to England and learning to carve carousel horses. He immigrated to the United States in 1888 and started working in other carousel workshops. In 1909, he founded his own workshop, M.C. Illions & Sons Carousel Works. 
His horses exhibit the Coney Island style and are recognized by their flamboyant poses, flying manes and tails, and gold and silver leaf inlaid into the manes, tails, and trappings of the animals. Alan Herschel is the most prolific carver in the county fair style. He co-owned no fewer than four different carousel workshops. It is estimated that the Allen Herschel Company, which operated from 1915 to 1970, produced over 3,000 hand-carved horses. Allen Herschel was also an innovator in other theme park rides, especially those for small children and the earliest thrill rides, such as a Skywheel and a Twister. Gustave Denzel emigrated to the United States in 1860 from Germany. He started as a cabinet maker before going into the carousel industry. He and his sons are best known for pioneering the Philadelphia style and owned the Gustave Denzel Company, which later became the Philadelphia Toboggan Company. His horses, with the expressive faces and beautifully carved trappings, are one of the most highly sought after by collectors. The Denzel Workshop is also very well known for their beautiful menageries full of tigers, giraffes, rabbits, and other animals. A carousel isn't a carousel without music. Most carousels were accompanied by band organs, automated machines that could play nearly any instrument imaginable. Many band organs were, and still are, works of art unto themselves. They featured beautiful, stylistic carvings, and some even had puppets that moved to the music. The music was played using a roll, a metal spindle featuring raised pins similar to a music box, or a strip of paper with holes punched into it that told the machine how to play. Most of the songs were traditional waltzes and polkas, as well as popular marches and patriotic tunes. Today, most operators still employ band organs with their machines. Some modern organs are played electronically instead of the old-fashioned rolls, but they still retain the beautiful and whimsical sounds of their predecessors. The Great Depression ended the golden age of carousels for good. Most of the master carvers were forced to shutter their workshops and find jobs either maintaining existing carousels or finding work elsewhere. The carousels themselves also began to fade into obscurity. Many were partially or completely destroyed in fires, a constant threat in early amusement parks. Others were locked away or abandoned. As many of the remaining carousels began to show their age, their operators gave them slapdash maintenance jobs, preferring to spend time and money on faster, more exciting rides. Carousels were usually repaired with whatever was at hand and hastily repainted, sometimes in gaudy, unnatural colors in an attempt to appeal to new patrons. In the 1970s and 80s, interest in the old carousels began anew. Professional artists and historians began working on the rides, and forgotten and abandoned figures began to pop up, also carefully brought back to life. The park paint was removed and the original paint touched up or redone, while rotten and missing limbs were meticulously carved and replaced. 
Sometimes figures from multiple carousels were combined onto new platforms as the original platforms had been destroyed or damaged. Other figures were sent or sold to museums and private collectors. And, better yet, many of the artists went on to open their own carousel workshops, creating a new generation of master carvers. Today, there are many shops that specialize in restoring old carousels and building new ones. Even though interests have changed, carousels have still managed to find a place in parks and attraction venues all over the United States, and many more are being built and rebuilt every year. So the next time you see a carousel, wherever you are, don't simply walk by. Stop and take a moment to appreciate it as a piece of Americana, and reflect on the talents of the people who put their hearts into bringing it to life. And while you're at it, why not take a ride? Let your daily stress melt away as your trusty steed carries you off in a whirl of color and sound, if only for a moment. Matthew Caulfield for letting me use music tracks from his website, WorlitzerRolls.com. Matthew, along with Gary Watkins and a group of other band organ enthusiasts, have made it their mission to track down and preserve as many of the Wurlitzer style 165 band organ bowls as they can. If you're curious about band organs, their manufacture and preservation, I highly recommend visiting his website, www.Wurlitzer-Rolls.com. There is so much carousel history out there, and I barely scratched the surface. If you were inspired by this podcast, run over to our website. There, I have not only compiled videos and a work-in-progress photo album, but I've also listed the books and websites I used to produce this episode. You can find us at ondisplaypodcast.com. You can also contact us through our social media on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Stop by and say hi, and catch up on some of the latest going-ons in the attractions industry. And finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. The feedback you give us is valuable, as it helps us improve. You can also leave comments on our SoundCloud stream and YouTube videos, or email us directly at onyourslavepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us today. This is your host, Nicole, and I'll